Welcome to Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management. Ellis Wealth Management is an independent, privately held investment company focused on planning, advice, coaching, and investment management. We are dedicated to the families we serve, and we encourage you to invest in what you love. Within Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on, sharing, and developing human capital. All right. What a great day. What a great day. Hey, I have with us my friend Mario Lotmore. Mario, you there? I'm here. How are you doing today? Excellent. Hey, thanks for taking time, Mario. We have been trying to get on the calendar for quite some time. You're really, really busy. And um, so so thank you for being on the show today. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hey, listen, um, you own the Linwood Times and but before you did that, you had quite a quite a path. Um, I think you went you went to two universities, Embry Riddle Aeronautical University, and also the right. University of Central Florida. Right? Do I, yeah. do I have that correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, you do. Okay, you worked for Lockheed Martin and Boeing. Mm-hmm. Right, and um, you, you're originally from. Jamaica, is that correct? No, from the Bahamas. Bahamas, Bahamas. I had that backwards. Okay, I apologize. Uh, the Bahamas, and now you own a newspaper here. Um, what a great story. Uh, share us a little bit about your, your path. Well, I had a very unorthodox path. I'm not the I'm not a very orthodox person, I guess you want to put it that way. I um, graduated uh, from high school in the Bahamas, and I immigrated here to the United States for school, and uh, attended Embry Riddle Aeronautical University, where I majored in engineering physics. Um, my passion to en- engineering actually uh, came from the need for having black engineers and. Uh, I was always I always had a passion for Star Trek and science fiction, and so I actually uh, originally wanted to be an aerospace engineer. I put it this way: I wanted to create the engines to explore, <laughs> to explore space. That's what I wanted to do. Okay, <laughs> I, I, that's what I. That's and I, I still do. I still have that um, curiosity. I'm, I'm, I, I definitely listen to a lot of. Uh, uh, science um, TED Talks and uh, a lot of science YouTube uh, videos today, uh, especially on quantum physics. Um, but it's all going to bore people, so I'm not going to go there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so and, and I was an engineering physics major, and then I uh, decided I, I just didn't, I kind of, I just didn't have that passion anymore. So I actually um, left college uh, and uh, in my senior year, mm. and. I worked in banking for a couple of years and I was very fortunate and I um, believe it was uh, my higher power that was guiding me. <laughs> and uh, I saved up a lot of money and then I cashed out my 401k and went back into school and finished my university. I didn't do that. To be an engineer, pretty much, especially your last two years, you, you have to, you're dedicated. You, you can't, it's going to be very, very difficult for you mm-hmm. to uh, try and work and finish the university, um, at least with all of the, projects you have to do okay and so i got my degree in industrial engineering because i wanted 
to not, I also, I wanted to apply my engineering degree to into a business uh, setting to, and uh, I saw that both engineering and physics blends the two together. Um, I had a, a knack for it as well. It came very natural to me. Um, and uh, but then I uh, continued in um, banking for, uh, a, for a few years doing, when I was in my master's degree program uh, to just make some money on the side uh, <laughs> is actually working in banking. I would say this much. If anybody, if anyone's out there trying to figure out what they want to do in life, I would say, Start off in banking. I, I would. I, 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 always, I worked at Verdines. I worked at Macy's. I worked. I, I worked. I worked. I, I worked at Walden Books. I used to. Some, I don't know how I did it. I went to school full time and worked two full time jobs to put myself through school. Um, my parents couldn't afford it. All right. They. They really. They were from the Bahamas. My mom was a teacher. My. My dad was a cab, cab driver. They. They couldn't afford to send me to university. Um. So I had to pay. I had to pay my way and work my way through university and take out student loans. And you know, I. I did it. Um. I. I strongly believe that everyone has their own personal velocity in life. Mm-hmm. Um. As long as you get there, don't let anyone hold you back. Um. But. Um, after banking, I and and, and um, in my master's, when I finished my master's program, I went. And uh, I worked at uh, several different defense contractors. Um, Lockheed Martin was the one. Another one was uh, um, BRS. Um, uh, just several different um, defense contractors um, around the Cape Canaveral area. And then I uh, uh, moved over to California, uh, worked for another defense contractor there. Um, this time working with uh, fusion lenses. Um, it was a lens, an optical manufacturer that uh, made fusion lenses. <clears throat> and, uh, then I went from there. Then I started my career at Boeing, going to uh, Arizona, working for the, on the Apache program. Uh, that was that was that was really incredible. And I, I worked. I've always worked on weapon systems, and I, I I know a lot of people. This might be a moral issue for some people, but I've always been fascinated fascinated by by weapons mm-hmm. and, and explosives. When I was in, in Lockheed Martin, I was at their um um their missile factory there, um and they we would have literally these fifteen hundred pound bombs. There. <laughs> 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 so um, I was working literally on the line with the bombs there. Like they had wow. the caps on them, so they were yeah. So um, a lot of people may not know this, but even where um, Universal Studios is right now in Florida, all of that used to be Lockheed Martin. That all underground has underground tunnels. Wow. All used to be part of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, a missile manufacturing. They used to actually explode the missiles underground there. So a lot of wow. people don't know that. Um, but that's how, you, that's how uh, Universal Studios got all that land for cheap, I think. <laughs> yeah, so... But um, and then I worked at Boeing in as I said I worked at Boeing in uh, um, Arizona, and then I got a management position here um, in um, at Everett Factory, and I you know was an engin- industrial engineering manager for a couple of years. Then I went into project management, and uh, I was on the four seven line there. That was very rewarding, and the work that me and uh, several other people did extended the life of the 4-7 program because they were planning to shut this down oh. back in 2015. And uh, it was, uh, uh, I think Eric Lindblad um, and oh, Pat Shanahan 
uh, had an initiative called Keys to Winning, and we had to save. It was it was really to reduce costs and improve quality across Boeing and align to the voice of the customer. Four seven, I took on that initiative for the four seven program, and we were able to exceed uh, where we were even got. I got well, me and the teams that I worked on, we were we were um, recognized by um, by leadership. And it also featured inside the uh, Boeing magazines that went to, you know, all the Boeing employees um, for saving the 4-7 program wow. and extending that life. Yeah, um, that's that's what we literally were going to shut it down. Uh, we had a two year plan, two to four year plan to just shut it down. So we were I was very, very happy to know that we were part of that. And I helped lead that effort, literally helped lead the effort, <laughs> not just someone who was on the team, but to um, save hundreds of people's jobs. Um, and, uh, and then I switched from the manufacturing floor and went to supplier management and that wasn't very rewarding for me. Um, I, uh, I, that's when I started traveling internationally and I saw how, um, conditions were in other countries, especially in Mexico, where they skirted uh, or skirted the, uh, environmental and the, uh, labor laws. Um, and you saw where people were just happy to have a job, but they didn't know the dangers and the carcinogens they were introduced to without proper ventilation, raised some concerns, pretty much told it's not my business <laughs> mm -hmm. and because it's a different country. And so this is where you as an engineer or you have, as a person have to make a decision. Do you, you know, the moral decision, do you continue to work in an environment like that, knowing that you're endangering people or do you leave? And I left. Well, that's interesting. And, I mean, that they uh, would. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but that's interesting. You, when you're a contractor and you're in another country, right? Um, you're really working under well, a different. I wasn't a contractor. I was actually an employee. Oh, okay. When you're in another yeah. country, you're working under that umbrella. You know those rules, right? Correct. And uh, you know people need to remember that. I mean. It, it it sounds fascinating to travel the world and work in different places, but when you leave home, you've left home and you've left you've left that umbrella, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just thought that was really an interesting. Uh, it, it's an interesting set of challenges uh, that a that a worker has to or a, a person has to consider. Correct. Correct. You um, and also the culture is different there as well. And you just you're the key to working internationally is to be flexible, to be open minded and adapt. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're not there to judge. You're just there. there they have you there to, for a particular skill. So you're there to help them succeed. You're not there to try and change their culture or try to change who they are. You know? Yes. So, yeah. Um, and so then I ran for office, um, didn't succeed, but it was a real fun experience. And I will tell anyone who runs for office, um, just, just be weary, just be cognizant that after you run for office, people may perceive you as a threat. <laughs> okay. I don't know why that's just, I think human nature. Um, so which but, office did uh, you run for? Oh, I ran for state Senate. State Senate. Wow. Yeah. Washington state. And, um, it was, you know, it was, I met so many different people. Um, and again, it was another learning experience. Um, you learn more about discernment, um, and, uh, trusting people and how to identify 
liars. I'll be honest. <laughs> just wow. That way. People, people who say one thing, do something else. People who don't have good intentions, people who um, are saying they're helping you, but you know, they're just feeding information to the opposition just to, or people that would say they'll help on your campaign and sab- try to sabotage you while you're doing your work by not coming through with stuff or being disruptors. Things that, this is now that human element that I think being in an, in an engineering environment, it's petty and you just, people don't have, people just don't think that way as engineers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but when you're actually out in a, you know, in a different setting and, and, and interacting more with a different group of people, you have to think of that, that you know, what color is my parachute, right? Right, right. <laughs> so different, different personality types that you have other people out there that don't have the same value systems that you do. Um, engineers want to, and this is one of the main reasons why I wanted to be an engineer and also why I started the paper and what I'm going to get to mm-hmm. is I love to help people. I want to have a better world, right? Mm-hmm. We all do. That's what people would say. But, um, mine comes with, I don't expect a return. I don't expect anything from it. I just, to me, what drives me is the challenge and the passion of making it work. So how did you make the move from... You you ran you you were at Boeing you run for Senate, right? And you learned a lot there, uh, and then you decide that you want to start a newspaper. That 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 that, well, that how did how did that how did that transition come about, or that the birth of that passion come about? So as I was running in Linwood area, I I knocked on thousands and thousands of doors and people that I knocked, the doors I knocked on were people said, I've never seen anyone knock on my door in 15 years. And that was not one or two people. That was thousands of people that said, I I knocked on about 6,000 doors and I was probably about four to five, I would say 4,000 doors that said, you're the first person in 15 years to even knock on my door. And um, I think that tells you something that a lot of people take for granted is being reelected. So there's a disconnect there. But um, I, uh, and then another common theme that they also said was, I don't feel a sense of community when I was asking them, what would you like to see me do better? And they said, I don't feel a sense of community. And when I lost, I was thinking, because I had a lot of offers come to me, especially to go to um, outside of the state. Okay. Um, And uh, I just, by this time, by the way, I was also a consultant after I left Boeing. So I was traveling the United States doing consulting work. And, um, and I started thinking, I can go back to being an engineering consultant or I could, could I further develop what I learned from my experience running for office. Mm-hmm. And um, after some thought, it, I was looking at um, one of the local papers here in Mukilteo and I said, that's it. And it, uh, right within a split second, I looked at the paper, opened it up and I said, all of a sudden I had the vision of the persons, a few of the people telling me in my head that I met that I didn't have that sense of community and a paper. And it said, boom, a newspaper brings a sense of community. It unites a community together. Mm. And I said, that's it. Um, one thing I also noticed is running for office. Um, and also we, we see it today in, in the newspapers of today is there's just not equal coverage. Um, there's a lot, uh, there's lots of, I've seen it where people would, um, where, where a lot of the articles would be one-sided or they would never have a, an, um, 
give an um, the um, opposite view, even if the opposite view isn't something you agree with. And so I didn't. I saw. I felt there wasn't a. Uh, there was a lack of fairness out there. So that coupled with um, the drive to bring a sense of community, I said the newspaper. So I cashed out my 401k. And um, I started a newspaper, <laughs> not knowing what to what to expect. But one great thing is being an engineer, you know, you always will figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. I figured it out. Um, and uh, now I could say I have a, a successful newspaper. Um, we've broken some very, very um, big stories here in, in um, the area. Yes, you have. And a few... Yes, and a few of those stories I can kind of highlight would be um, the health district transparency violations, in which we had some of, even here, one of our local leaders, um, um, council members, that no one even consulted any, even the uh, city councils, and these people decided to um, possibly, buy, well, they didn't possibly, they did, um, violate the uh, um, Open Open Meetings Act and decided to try and transfer powers um, from the uh, from the sheriff to mm. um, enforce evictions. Um, another was the uh, uh, Culp Wyman um, it, um, election integrity fiasco that went on there. That was interesting. Um, the uh, back to blue rallies that we had in um, um, Olympia and, and also Everett. Um, the um, ESD fraud and LNI um, enforcement. Uh, I can say this much though, uh, when we broke, we didn't break the initial story, but we did the follow-up on the arrests that were made um, across the country, I believe in Massachusetts. But let's just say after I did that, <clears throat> my email was inundated by a lot of people, uh, I would say by fraudsters <laughs> from okay. Nigeria. So I think they were trying to get back at me. Um, and uh, we mentioned about the um, civil unrest in the area. We were very factual on that. And also um, the protesters going to local leaders' homes. Um, and uh, so those were some of the stories that we broke just last year. And this year we have a lot of, my team and I already came up with stories that we're going to be tackling this year that I can't mention because I don't want to you know, tip. Uh, Don't want to tip your hand. No, no, no. Yeah, but we are going to be doing a lot more investigative reporting. Um, and I've also um, taken surveys from our community members, and I know what. Uh, I, I have a much better understanding of what of who my demographic is, and what they want to read. Well, let me ask you this question. I mean, we we hear you. You made a couple of statements that I think are really really poignant. That. A newspaper provides is necessary for community. It's it's vital in a community, right? Um, it's also right. important that news be gathered or shared in a, in a manner that is focused on what actually happened versus opinion poll, right? Correct. So how difficult, uh, number one, is that? Because uh, we hear lots of stories about, you know, fake news and, you know, this slant and that slant. How, how difficult is it to separate your own particular point of view from what took place? And then let's talk a little bit 
about the state of information content and access today? Okay. Um, for me, being an engineer, <clears throat> it's not it, – I, I hear what you're saying about the difficulty in it. It's not difficult if you – it all depends on your intentions, right? Mm-hmm. If being an engineer, I had uh, – how can I put this? I don't – okay, I'm going to say it like this. You have objectivity because – it's not about what's right or what's wrong in that sense. You're just saying, I'm going to do the analysis and this is what the analysis is telling me. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. And the challenge isn't trying to make a, make one or, or trying to sway an opinion. The challenge is trying to find the truth. Yes. Okay. So that's what engineers do. If you have opinion in your, um, let, let me put a perfect example. Opinion in, I just built something, uh, 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 a deck. I used the best materials because this is what this, you know, uh, I did some little research and said this is what it, it said to do. Um, use these type of materials. And it said, hey, I need to put um, fasteners at so many different, you know, so many inches, you know, uh, so many fasteners per inch and blah, 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 right? Okay. So you're then saying because you just somehow looked at something and put it together, that's a hope that you're going to have it done, right? But you don't know if it necessarily would withstand the amount of load that you need, you know, because it's, it's all about the application. Right. So when if, 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 so your decision could kill people or hurt people, right? So therefore, your opinion doesn't matter. You have to actually go and follow sound scientific principles. Correct. Uh, or in, in this case, engineering principles, because you're building something and just not using a scientific method. And so, um, in, and, and, and I I continue that with the paper and also with my employees. My employees, we talk about where we are with stuff. You know, I say, I don't care. I said, that actually gives us a better paper. Having that open communication on what you're comfortable with, what you're not comfortable with, where you are on stuff means that you, you, you can, by, by you acknowledging where your personal biases are, then you can, then you can actually create a more fair piece. And so, what I simply do whenever I write a piece and whenever I have my um, uh, employees write a piece, but I'll start with me because I share the same thing with them, is write the piece as objectively as you can. But then take yourself out of it. Mm-hmm. Look as if you're also the prosecutor and you're going to do the best damn job you can. Mm-hmm. And then look at it as if you are the um, defense attorney mm-hmm. and you're going to do the best job that you can mm-hmm. and you fight for both sides and you don't care. It's like playing chess with yourself, right? Um, and all it is is that you're just challenging yourself because if you could defend something and I've done that, um, defend or write a story very objectively on a topic that you don't find comfortable, but you're being extremely fair and objective to it. Um, that shows integrity in yourself. Also, um, by I've spoken to several elected officials, and they all, you know, they knew I ran for office, and uh, they all told me the they all told me roughly the same thing. And I would actually say it was uh, uh, Congressman Larson that told me this one, and he said, "Mario, I really don't care where you are in the political spectrum. All I ask is that you are fair to me." Mm-hmm. And you know, that's it. That's all it is. Be fair to the people 
that you are um, writing about or even the topics. And what fairness means, though, because that seems to be another issue these days, is giving both sides a voice, right. even if you don't like it. So a lot of people, I have gotten slack for um, even reaching out to certain uh, or even talking about certain topics. Mm-hmm. And they would say, well, how can you give this group or, or a platform to express their opinion? I was like, well, because I'm talking about the other side. So um, people don't realize that if if you give both sides an opinion, or so not, if you give both sides the opportunity to, to talk, I'm not there to then, and this is what we see, it, and you see it in, in a lot of the journalism today, well, quote unquote journalism, is that they would try to say they gave both sides, but then they start coming up with a conclusion at the end to steer you to how to think. Well, no, I believe readers are smart enough when they read both sides, guess what they would say to a controversial piece or whatever, let's just say. They would actually, the ones that may even, they would say, well, this is just little far-fetched. Or they would be like, yep, that's what I thought. Oh, well, then think of that, but I don't agree with you. People are smart enough to make their own opinions. And, um, and that's where I believe journalism, that's where it should be, is I shouldn't be there to tell you what's right, what's wrong, what is morally, uh, you know, that, that let, let's just say for the environment, you know, you might be really uh, um, pro-environmental, you know, but should my, uh, a piece about, um, uh, say, the carbon tax that's out there, should my piece try to sway you on the need for a carbon tax? No, my piece should just tell you the facts of the carbon tax, and you can make up your mind on if you, if you feel it's needed or not. That's where journalism, I feel, is going wrong. It's becoming more of an extension of the political class, one can argue, mm-hmm. instead of just being the watchdog or just giving people the facts for people to make that decision for themselves. You know, there's something that you said there that I visually had a real strong understanding of. You know, like what you said, if you're building a deck, right, um, and you know people are going to be on that deck, and in my mind, I think of a deck, but now I, let's move this deck up, not off of the ground, but let's move this deck so it's on stilts or something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, and that so that load is really going to be transferred to the support of, of this deck, right? Um, that's different than building a windsock. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. really cares about the load of a windsock, it it doesn't do a whole lot of damage one way or the other. It just blows around in the wind, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're building a, a, a structure that people are going to put their weight on, then it needs to have care, uh, focus, and it, and it needs to keep in mind that people's lives are going to be affected by how, you know, the, the, the support and structure of that deck Right, nobody's lives are really infected by the windsock, if, if <laughs> right. And so, when it comes to sharing the story and letting people come to the conclusion, that's important. But building and having a very strong support system, having the real facts. I'm going to give you the facts, and you. If you want more information, you can go get him for more more information. That that's really important, and I think that that's uh, that's a very wise way of looking at it. That's a very wise way of looking at it, and that's why probably people really enjoy reading your newspaper, uh, and and it's growing as much as it is. 
one thing that someone, uh, one of the readers said to me that stuck with me, and I actually use this now as a litmus test, is uh, a very wise person said, uh, I learned something from your paper. Every time I read it, I learned something new from your paper. And that to me is my litmus test for success. My paper shouldn't just regurgitate all the, I mean, there you have a, a plethora of different stories in there, but I always make sure that you try to learn something new, either from an article or, you know, one or two stories within the paper. That's good. That's good. Well, if people want to get the Linwood Times, uh, there's a physical version that they can get, correct? Correct. Yeah. And, and there's a digital platform version that they can they can look at as well, correct? Correct. Okay. So, so they, ha- can, look, they oh. can get the Linwood Times online. So you have it at www.linwoodtimes.com. You, um, there's an e-version there that you can download, uh, and uh, it's a reduced PDF version. So just bear with me on that one. Sometimes the font can be kind of funky when you uh, have a reduced PDF version, but it mm-hmm. is about three megs. And then um, you can, uh, we're roughly, we used to be at 144 different locations, but with um, COVID, we had to pull out of schools and stuff. So we're still about 100 locations um, throughout Linwood. You can go on our website and see where we are. However, we're also um, not only in Linwood, we um, are now in uh, Mukilteo. You can find us at the QFC. You can find us at the Safeway. You can find us at the UPS store. Um, we're also in Snohomish. We're also in Lake Stevens. We're also in parts of Edmonds, all the way down the shoreline. We are also um, trying to think where else. Oh, and in parts of South Everett. If they go to your website, can they also find where your physical loc- your physical newspaper yes. is? So they can go to the website, yes. and once you give the website address, what's the website address oh. that they would go oh, to? The website address is uh, www.linguatimes.com. And if you go into the About Us section, um, you will see where there is a where to find us. Terrific. And they can subscribe. Can they subscribe from your website as well? Yes. So they can subscribe um, by going um, right again, www.linguatimes.com. And I uh, believe it is slash subscribe. Yeah, su- uh, support us. So it's right there under the subscribe donate um, tab. And uh, for as little as $8 a month, you can have the Linwood Times delivered to your doorstep twice a month. Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, it might make a nice gift for someone as well, right? If grandma lives in Arizona, and she wants. She's always asking you what's going on in your neck of the woods. <laughs> you can, you know, uh, sign her up actually, and send it to her. It's inter- It's interesting you said that because I actually have about uh, fifty people that actually have subscribed outside of the state that I ha- <laughs> that I do mail the paper to. That's excellent. That is <laughs> yeah. excellent. Well, listen, my friend, I really appreciate your time. Uh, is there any? Is there another way that people can be involved? I mean, if they have a tip or if they have some information that they want to share with you at the Limwood Times, how would they do that? Yeah, if anyone has a news tip, if anyone has a story, if anyone is interested in being a contributor to the Linwood Times, uh, just email editorial at linwoodtimes.com. Editorial at linwoodtimes.com. If anyone would like to get in touch with me personally, they could um, email publisher at linwoodtimes.com. Excellent. 
So editorial, uh, give me that editorial email address one more time. Yes, it's editorial at linwoodtimes.com. Excellent. Mario, you are a man of multiple talents, and I want to thank you for spending some time with me today. Uh, This information has been really good, and I know that we've been trying to get on the calendar for a very long time, but you're... Your work uh, has had you literally all over this country, you know, from coast to coast. So thank you for taking time with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, I've been listening to your podcast, and I really enjoy it. Thank you, my friend. Thank you for listening. And until next time, this is Paul Ellis reminding you to invest in what you love.